0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly, and I'm Kristen. Kristen, last week we talked about sun tanning and how popular it's become Mm -hmm. despite health risks. And I'm just happy to report that everyone, that Kristen went to the beach and did not get burned. Yes. Because remember, she's going to have that little molly on her shoulder. And the molly did follow me down to
0: the beach and even my friends commented on why I was not spending much time in the sun at all. And I just kept saying, I don't want to be sunburned, you guys. My coworker has freaked me out
1: about sun tans. So little Molly on your shoulder did her work. I hope she's she done did. some work for all, everyone out there yes. when they head to the beach. Um, but Um We alluded to the fact in that podcast that uh while we tend to have this ideal that a tan is a healthy, you know, glowing thing that can make you more attractive. Mm-hmm. That is not true around the world. And, you know, we talked about how uh historically pale skin was always seen as this sign of class because you didn't have to go out and be in the fields all day. And it turns out that, you know, people with white skin are not the only one who have had this history of of pale skin being better. It, in fact, extends to people in Asian cultures, African cultures, all around the world. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is how this ideal of pale skin mm-hmm. has led to this huge business of skin lightening and skin whitening.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine um, who's Vietnamese actually just got back from visiting relatives in Vietnam. And they all commented to her on how dark her skin was. And they were all trying to, to push these skin lightening creams on her. And she was saying how it was really hot and humid when she was there. But whenever she'd go out, other, other girls her age were always wearing long sleeves and hoodies. And it was to protect themselves from the sun. Because the last thing they wanted to do was to get a tan and become even darker. So we want to talk about the industry of skin lightening, the culture behind it, and why in similar ways that women in the United States take health risks to get a tan, Mm -hmm. women in other countries and other parts of the world also take health risks in order to lighten their skin. But first, I think that we should start out with a little bit of science to talk about why we even have different shades of skin tone, because there are a lot of interesting theories about why white skin even evolved.
1: Yeah. So what they think is that when humans started migrating out of Africa, they were going to higher latitudes where there are lower levels of vitamin D, which means the sun is less intense. So this caused sort of just the gradual light lightning effect of of skin, mm-hmm. this migration north. And that's sort of been like the, the main theory for a long time. But there was a live science article in 2009 that talked about maybe some other possible reasons that this could have happened. Um one idea was that because uh, dark skin is more prone to frostbite, when uh, people went north into colder latitudes, it became sort of something to negatively select against because mm-hmm. you would want to have skin that was less prone to frostbite in colder temperatures. Um, one theory that I think is kind of interesting, given some of the other things we'll talk about is that men started preferring mates with lighter skin. So they would select sexually for lighter skin mates and that would just continue on and on.
0: And they said that they would do that because lighter skin was supposedly a sign of youth and fertility.
1: And how many times have we talked about the ways in which we unconsciously are selecting for the most fertile (laughs) mate? (laughs) Yes. So that makes sense that, you know, they would see this as, you know, people, you know, babies have lighter skin than adults do. So, yeah, you would look for someone who is young because it's a sign of fertility and you can continue the line. Um one theory is that when we moved away from subsistence-based uh, feeding ourselves, you know, the hunting, the gathering, mm-hmm. and went more to agriculture, we eliminated a lot of vitamin D from our diets and that that affected our skin color. So lots of theories out there. So when we talk about the
0: history behind this, uh, the the preference for lighter skin, a lot of times we might assume that it has a lot to do with Westerns coming in and imposing our cultural values onto these Eastern cultures, basically uh, making whiteness the new sign of wealth and class. But it predates any kind of Western infiltration.
1: Yeah, that was the most interesting thing to me is because that's what I assumed is mm-hmm. that People were subjected to these Western standards of beauty, and they have been. That's probably a big reason as to why these ideals have continued and carried on. But according to a lot of research, this uh, idea that white skin is better skin has been around, you know, since the beginning of time. Yeah. And there, there's talk about how in these really ancient uh, Japanese cultures, applying white powder to the face was considered a woman's moral duty. Um, In ancient China, women would swallow powdered pills because they thought it would make them whiter. Powdered pearls. Powdered pearls, powdered pills. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, all through history, there are these examples of how people, especially in Asia, thought that, you know, you've got to have really white skin and it would eventually affect your marital status, mm-hmm. how much money you made. It just it goes on and on all these reasons why you'd want to have beautiful skin. And it's built into the language like yeah. fair and beautiful in India. Are synonyms.
0: Yeah, and there's a Chinese saying that's persisted throughout the ages, too, that whitening is everything. Basically, you can cover up all of your defective parts if you're white. This also extends into Arab cultures, where whiter-looking children tend to be more preferential. And even in uh, Latino cultures, whiter-looking Spanish women are sometimes considered more
1: attractive. Right. So, I mean, even though it, it's sort of uh, as a tale as old as time, according to this research you know then they do they do become subject to these same sort of uh, beauty ideals that people in this country are also subject right. to.
0: Right. And I don't think that we should discount the fact that western beauty ideals have probably had a major impact right. on the persistence of the value of whiteness um which sounds weird to say as like two caucasian girls sitting here talking My about privilege. It. But yeah, but it, but it, this these are the the facts. So it's kind of interesting how it's maybe um compounded.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're seeing white roots. movie stars, white models, when they're picking models for advertisements, they pick the ones with the really pale skin. So you do get that reinforcement that white skin, light skin is better. Mm-hmm. And it's just that association that we saw even in
0: Western cultures with wealth and higher education levels. Um, so let's talk about skin lightening today because it is very prevalent. Four out of every 10 women use a whitening cream in Hong Kong, Malaysia, the Philippines, South Korea, and Taiwan. And skin lightening has ballooned into a $16 billion market. And people are not only trying to whiten just the skin that you might see um, uh, outside of their clothes, but also their armpits. And some women might even try to lighten their nipples.
1: So how do these skin lightening creams work? I mean, they're just so prevalent in, in a lot of these countries. Some of them contain acids, and that will remove the old skin to reveal lighter skin underneath, and others will inhibit melanin uh, so that that will, you know, if you remove melanin, that's the thing that gives your skin color. Mm-hmm. But that can also, as we'll talk about later, damage your skin. And as you might imagine, a lot of these creams, particularly in developing countries, aren't subject to any any kind of uh, oversight, and they turn out to be quite damaging and dangerous. Right. Uh, Mercury poisoning is one of the main health concerns with these skin
0: lightening creams because a lot of the unregulated uh, skin lightening creams might contain mercury. Um, And then there are other um, ingredients such as mulberry extract, licorice extract, Kojic acid. Um, there's also, I think it's hydroquinone, which is the mercury-based mm-hmm. acid, which is one of the most dangerous
1: ones. Yeah, I mean, if we were got uh, a movie star who eats sushi and gets mercury poisoning, you can only imagine how bad it would be to have it it seeping into your skin, right? If you're day applying by day. it regularly.
0: And like you mentioned, Molly, there can be some negative side effects to it. For instance, some of these might actually they might start bleaching your skin, but leave you with darker patches of skin after you've used it for a long time it'll mm-hmm. um it'll just give you a really patchy appearance um and that's called ochronosis which is the appearance of very dark patches of skin that are difficult to remove you might also develop something called leukoderma where the skin loses the ability pr- to produce pigment so that actually turns areas of your skin pink and then just removing the melanin in general puts your skin at risk for more damage Kinda of like how we put our skin at risk for skin damage when we're laying under the sun, baking and tanning beds. Yeah, it
1: reminded me so much of that conversation, Kristen, because, you know, people seem to know the risks and do it anyway, just the way we know the risk of getting a tan and tend to do it anyway. But, you know, sometimes it just seems like there's so much at stake. Uh a lot of reporters go in and look at the uh marital ads mm-hmm. in India where a lot of, you know, marriages are arranged through advertising as we've discussed. Before and all the ads by and large say it's a fair skinned woman, yeah. you know, I am a fair skinned woman, marry me, or I'm a man looking for a fair skinned woman. It's, it's very much how you can, um, gain status and gain any sort of currency within a system is to have this light skin and despite
0: any risks associated with it. And we're not saying that, that all, um, You know, skin lightening creams are implicated in this, but there are very real risks with mercury poisoning, especially for more of these off brand um, skin lightening and bleaching creams. But these products are the most popular in India's skincare market, and the skincare market there has grown 42.7% since 2001. Mm -hmm. So this is something. Also kind of like tanning, it's interesting you keep seeing the parallels that has really picked up in the
1: past decade or so. Right. And it's really interesting to see how advertisers market skin lightening because, you know, there's a lot of people who think that uh, when we tan or when we put on makeup, we're buying into some sort of ideal that the makeup companies are selling us. Mm-hmm. And they've been able to use that same sort of mes- message of empowerment that you can fix all your flaws with these skin lightening creams. And, you know... Um, there was one headline about uh, in the New York Times telling India's modern women that they have power even over their skin tone. Mm-hmm. And this idea that, you know, you take this, you know, quote unquote, Western sense of empowerment of being uh, an enlightened woman, no pun intended, but being sort of an independent person who can uh, make your own money and control your own destiny and applying that to skin lightning. It's a very powerful message, the same way that some people would argue that. Uh, lipstick is sold to us or, you know, the idea that, you know, by taking control of your appearance, you can take control of your life and get a better job and get, you know, land that perfect partner.
0: And the same cosmetics companies that are marketing bronzers and similar products in the West mm-hmm. are marketing skin lightening creams in the East under the same types of advertising yeah, because it's all about like the tagline for fair and lovely. One of the most popular skin liners out there is the power of beauty. And I mean, that sounds like something we hear about in the American cosmetics industry as well. Yeah. It's just different types of beauty ideas being peddled to us by the same companies that are making so much money off of this.
1: And, you know, it's, um, I think that, you know, we're, we're given this message that every skin color is beautiful. Truly it is. But uh, you know, we are we would be hypocritical if we said, you know, skin lightning should stop because uh, they, so that would, you know, someone would, could make the argument that then, you know, every American woman should give up her skin wrinkle cream, mm-hmm. that if we are applying things to our skin to change it, that, you know, we can't judge people who are giving themselves mercury poisoning, trying to look whiter. So it sort of goes to the heart of what we try and do in a lot of these episodes, Kristen, where we unpack why we do certain things we do, like wearing high heels, wearing makeup, et cetera. You know, it's just, it's a, there's a really long history and a really effective marketing system in place.
0: And we should point out too that this isn't just marketing aimed at women. Um, fair and lovely has spun off into fair and handsome for men. And it has become incredibly popular as well. Kind of like how, you know, plenty of men go out and tan themselves in Western
1: culture. So I think that, you know, whenever we try and do a takeaway from this, it's, you know, know your risk and know why you do it. And uh, you know we may not have the biggest uh, audience in you know India and China and all that, but you know it still affects women in the United States. We don't want it to imply that this is something that only happens other places. This beauty ideal can affect you no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. So be aware of why you think certain things are beautiful. I think is good advice for any woman or man or men. And on
0: that note, why don't we head over to some listener mail from Mom Stuff at How Stuff Works. So, I've got an email here from Angela about our podcast on cat calls. And she writes I don't have much of an opinion on cat calls other than to say that I think our society in general is often far too sensitive. Hmm. I do, however, have a funny cat call story. A friend of mine was walking her grandmother's very large and dopey Labrador one day and passed by a group of construction workers who were pouring a sidewalk. The whole group of them began whistling and shouting, and she lost control of the lab as he took off tromping through their partially set up concrete, leaving a permanent set of big lab paw prints. Perhaps they learned a lesson that day. Almost twenty years later I still giggle when I hear a cat call while walking my own dogs. Get it? Dog paws,
1: cat yeah, calls. I like it. Nice. Thanks, Angela. I have one here from Caroline who lives in New York City, and she writes, One of the things you didn't mention in this catcalling podcast is how young a lot of the women who get catcalled are. I started getting comments from strangers in sixth or seventh grade, mostly from adult men. One of the initiatives the anti-street harassment organizations are working on in New York is not making street harassment entirely illegal, but creating harassment-free zones around schools where it's particularly rampant. Being catcalled really upset me when I was younger and made me feel very unsafe, but now it just gets on my nerves. It's important to remember that a lot of the comments are not just nice stems, but things that are pretty vulgar and obscene. The good news is that confronting street harassers really does work. Even asking a guy to repeat what he just said usually shames him enough to apologize and skulk away. I don't think a lot of men realize how threatening it can be when they approach women on the street or in the subway. If you point out to them that what they're doing is scary and intimidating, they usually feel pretty bad. I would encourage women to speak up if they, if they're somewhere they feel safe doing so. And that's a point that we've gotten, um, from a few listeners, Kristen, it's just that when it happens, it seems to happen to really young girls, mm. and that's that's pretty scary. That is
0: scary. Uh, so if you have any stories to share with us, MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com, we'd also love for you to like us over on Facebook and interact with us there, and you can also follow us on Twitter, at MomStuffPodcast, and finally, you can read our blog, and check out a whole library of skincare articles. I wish I had specific ones to call out, but there is literally a vast library of skincare articles. Millions. Millions. Not really millions, but hundreds. Hundreds at least. Hundreds at least. Of skincare articles on Mine and Molly's Home. Monday through Friday. It's howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Forks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Forks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.